there's a loophole, what I call a loophole in the algorithm. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 13. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Well, 13 might be unlucky for some, but I'm feeling pretty lucky. How are you? I'm very well. We're here again in the Response Suite office. And we're pretty excited because after we've had Response Suite closed to the general public, in the background just doing some sort of private promotions and stuff like that, it's now available on sale. So if you go over to responsesuite.com right now, you'll see why so many business people and marketers are making the switch over to Response Suite. Yay! Hurrah, crowd goes mild. But without further ado, let's get straight into talking to our main man, Justin Lofton. Justin's really smart when it comes to Facebook ads. Yeah, Justin, I've been following him for quite a long time. He's got a great piece of software that helps you sync up your email subscribers and customers with Facebook custom audiences. And that's how I first came across him. That's how we first came across him. Uh, But then he also teaches people how to do really ninja stuff with Facebook ads. And he's got some really good tactics to share here. So without further ado, let's find out what he had to say. So hey, Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Great, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, you're the founder of SyncSumo, and obviously that helps lots of different people to automatically create and update their Facebook custom audiences from their autoresponder service. So when we look at our different custom audiences, what are sort of three or five different custom audiences that you would say are really crucial or valuable, I suppose, to online businesses today? Well, I think it, you got to start with the core and really um, the best custom audiences to make your uh, a customer list, right? To, to be able to get your customers into Facebook um, so that you can run ads to them as well as make lookalike audiences of, of other folks on Facebook that look just like them. Um, secondly, you want to make um, an audience of your prospects. So people that haven't yet pulled out their wallet So again, you can um, uh, target those folks on Facebook to get them to take that next step and ultimately pull out their wallet and do business with you. Uh, And then also use those audiences to include and exclude so that you're not showing prospects um, your your customers' ads and you're not showing your customers your prospects' ads. So um, those are the two core uh, ones. And then obviously, if you've got a large set of data, um, you'll want to... um, you know, pull out your best set of customers. So if you've got, you know, people that spend more than X in your business or um, have uh, spent, um, had multiple transactions in your business over a given time, those are your best customers. And those are going to help Facebook find even better cold prospects for you to put ads in front of. I suppose that's one of the really big things that you guys do over there at Singsumo is to actually help people find those lookalike audiences. But be- the whole premise of your platform is that it helps you do that with your current customer base because you're automatically putting those brand new customers into the audience, right? Yeah, and you know what you'll find is that uh, you know a lot of folks depend on the pixel and data off their pixel from their website, but in many cases. Uh, there are a ton of businesses that don't really actually do a lot of transactions on their website. Uh, the website is more of a place to learn about their services and their offering and the transactions are done in a separate place. So um, the pixel can be a uh, shortcoming when it comes to uh, those types of businesses. And a lot of businesses um, have been around for years, sometimes decades, and they have a lot of data that's there. And unfortunately with the pixel, um, you, you've got 180 days maximum of data. So being able to rely on data that you've spent um, hard-earned money, time, and energy collecting over the years is critical to ongoing long-term Facebook advertising success, and we help customers do that automatically. Wow. 
That's cool. You talked about pulling lookalike audiences from your existing list of you know subscribers, customers, and then higher level uh, customers too. In terms of you know getting the best results from the Facebook algorithm, what is the kind of is there like a rule of thumb for like how many subscribers would be a good minimum level to create a good lookalike, or how many uh, customers would be a good rule of thumb as a yeah, like how big does that list need to be? Like if you have ten people, is that enough, or does it need to be like a hundred thousand? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's a, it's a common one. So you know, what's interesting over the last seven years um, that I've been advertising on the platform, I've clearly noticed that uh, Facebook's gotten a lot better with um, working with a smaller amount of data. So uh, what I have, uh, what I do recommend is that if you've got a lot of data in your business, um, if you've got a thousand or more uh, data points, so a thousand or more emails, that's going to give Facebook the maximum opportunity. Um, to find the best people on the platform on a minimum side say about a hundred a hundred data points or uh, you know people that actually convert from an email or phone number into a Facebook user ID when you put them into a custom audience is going to be likely the minimum to where um, lookalikes will perform better uh, or in tangent with um, other types of targeting methods like interest targeting Interesting. So when you're creating these lookalike audiences, it's not just on that email address, is it? You, did, you just sort of mentioned that. So there are the three points. It's the Facebook user ID, it's the email address, and it's, it's the phone number. Are they, are they the only three things it's looking at, or is there any other data that we could be passing across? These days, it's um, quite a bit. So um, Facebook, over the last, call it uh, 18 to 24 months, has added additional fields, such as zip codes and and addresses and, and the name and all these things to enhance uh, their matching. So now we are matching on uh, you know phone numbers, emails, zip codes, uh, addresses. Those types of that type of data set is now you know being synced to maximize match rates to a Facebook user ID. That's really cool. It gives a lot of possibilities, certainly going forward, especially if you sell stuff and you have to collect your customers' addresses in order to do it, you're going to get much stronger it's, matches. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because some people might think, oh, I should have been, I've heard, I've just suddenly, because they've been living under a rock, they've suddenly realized they should have been doing all this pixeling shenanigans. And they're like, heck, I'm, I'm, I've sort of lost, I've missed the boat on this. But the truth is, if you've got that customer data, you can upload that as a custom audience straight into Facebook and, and, you, and, and, and do that. That's, that's fantastic. I can definitely see some synergy here. If people have listened to uh, episode one of our podcast a long time ago, we talked about direct mail. I think it'd be really useful for people to think about actually collecting addresses and then seeing how that fits in with this mm, stuff. Really for cool. Sure, for sure. So we've heard loads of different theories and lots of different strategies. Everyone's a Facebook expert nowadays. Uh, about how to test different adverts. So uh -huh. what's the best structure kind of in your experience to reliably fine tune a Facebook ad, so the image and the copy, to get maximum results? Yeah, so it's a good question. I mean, what's, what's great, um, let's talk about the traditional way. So there's this whole concept of, you know, how many ads do you put in an ad set? And Facebook doesn't truly split test and all these things. And that's been going on for years. Um, the, the solution to that problem is simply putting one ad per ad set. Um, if you put more than one ad in an ad set and, and when you're building a traditional ad set, then Facebook really doesn't give each of those ads an equal amount of impressions to significantly determine whether one's a winner or not. Typically what will happen is Facebook will um, choose one uh, based on no one knows and run with it and give that one most of the impressions, irregardless of whether it was the true winner or not. So. To solve that particular problem, um, we put one ad per ad set when we want to test various uh, creatives or uh, copy in our ad. 
Now, what, um, what has been released recently has solved uh, a lot of those problems because uh, Facebook is now allowing you to split test um, variations of your ad. So um, when you go, to go ahead and you use the, the guided tour version of building a campaign or an ad set, uh, they will give you the option to split test creative or split test audience, and you have to choose one of those. Um, so that way you can split test the button text or your creative image or video, different texts, um, and it does it uh, the proper way. It, it automatically split tests for you. So that's if you're trying to, um, you know, sort of figure out what's the market you want to respond to, mm -hmm. I'd say that their newest feature where they are truly doing a, a legitimate uh, A-B split test is the option to use. Um, for myself, I've kind of formulated this stuff and so I've got a formula for the copy and I know what works in terms of creative and we can talk about that if you'd like. Mm. Um, and uh, so I kind of come out of the gate knowing I've got something that's probably going to work pretty damn well. And then from there um, I will split test once I've got some baseline data to see if I can beat myself with other creative or copy. What's the very first thing you will actually change then once you've got a bit of data, you'll, you'll go in there and you'll tweak which bit first. Generally, it's going to be the creative because when you look at um, where most of the ad impressions are, they're in the mobile news feed, um, whether you're on Instagram or Facebook, most of your traffic is going to come on the, on the mobile feed. So <clears throat> when you're on the mobile feed, one, you've got people that are using their phones, which means they could be in any environment um, you can imagine, right? They're at the grocery store. They're at the, uh, at the gas station pumping gas. They're, you know, hanging out with their friends. So they've already got a lot of external uh, distractions. And then, so the biggest thing that really jumps out when you're looking at a mobile news feed is the actual creative, whether it be an image or a video. So generally, you know, you want to test, for me, I wanted to test the, the creative, a separate video to see if I can garner attention to the, to the, uh, to the feed and ultimately so they'll read the ad copy and, and engage further with the ad. So, the, the creative for me would be the first place to go because it's just that's, so impactful. Yeah, that's amazing. So you, you've sort of, you, you imagine you've sort of tweaked all of that stuff. You've played with the creative. You've got a really good, well-converting video. You're pretty happy with the cost per click and your cost, your cost per conversion. What, how would you go about like sort of cranking things up? Because there's lots of different theories around this. One person might be saying, well, all you do is you, you change it from $5 a day to $5,000 a day, if that's, your, if that's your bag. Others would say, don't do that. What you really need to be doing is starting a new ad because otherwise you'll be affected by some kind of algorithm. So basically, yeah. it's all good and well figuring out the best ad, but how do we scale? Mm -hmm. No, that's a great question, and it's a challenge that most Facebook advertisers start to uh, trip over some success in their early goings. Um, they, they, they quickly get you know, frustrated uh, with Facebook because they don't know how to, you know, that's not something Facebook's going to tell you what to do. In many cases, the stuff that Facebook or their reps tell you is not actually what works. So, um, hmm. you know, it's, it's one of those things where they have to look to the, the Facebook ad gods to, uh, to try and find some answers in that space. And um, fortunately, there's some pretty good guidelines. So if you've got an ad set that uh, is working for you and you want to start to scale that one up, the, the step one is just to uh, increase the budget by 20% per day, um, as long as that ad set continues to perform for you. So 
Um, what I've found over the years is that if you start to increase more than that, it, it's, it, it tends to throw the algorithm for a loop. And then you're, like you mentioned, your, your cost per acquisitions, they'll, they'll skyrocket or they'll go up to a place to, you know, high enough to where you won't want to continue to do anything with that ad set or it kind of falls apart on you. Right. Um, so if you stick with 20% per day with that particular daily budget that you have in there and you're starting to increase that on, a, on the daily, then that ad set should hold strong. But for most, you know, they're starting with ad sets at $30 a day or whatever. 20% really doesn't move the needle very far when they're ready to go. Um, so what you want to do there is duplicate the ad sets that are working for you. And when you go to duplicate um, those ad sets, you can then put a fresh budget on there before you launch it back into the algorithm. So you can start it at any number you wish. So you could take a $50 ad set that's working for you, duplicate it and, you know, put a thousand dollar per day budget on that, launch it into the algorithm. And, um, and you can scale with those. Those are the two basic methods to scale. Um, one of the things that I've, I've discovered actually in the last 24 months is after spending, uh, during the holidays of 2015, I was spending about 20,000 a day for one of my e-commerce stores. And, um, I kept submitting the same ad sets into, I was, cause I was doing the scaling method, right? I was, I was launching new ad sets with new high budgets on them. And I kept noticing that the price was different every time, even though it was the same audience, same, you know, creative, everything was exactly the same. I was simply duplicating working ad sets. And what I found there, there's a, there's a loophole, what I call a loophole in the algorithm. Um, and I've had a lot of success with that. And, um, a lot of folks have uh, taken my training to learn how to use the loophole, but, um, there's a way that you can launch multiple ad sets at once to get the cheapest price every time. So, uh, that's something that I've discovered, um, more recently, the last couple of years, that's been a massive, um, improvement in overall, uh, ability to scale quickly and, uh, always get the cheapest ad inventory available. Awesome, man. That's really cool. It's going to solve a lot of people's problems, I think, when they're sat there and they start putting the prices up and suddenly their cost per conversion or whatever goes skyrocket. You, you just sort of refine it. You think, oh, man, I've nailed it. I've got this fan fancy picture. And then you get excited, and, right? <laughs> and then you bang the budget up and it all goes to hell, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. One of, the, one of the other big problems I think a lot of people face with Facebook ads, especially is that every six minutes there's like a new placement arrives and some of them seem to have no real explanation at all, like the audience network and all of that. So I think, you know, you, you're there, you've created your ad set and it's going to ask you to choose your placements and you can choose. I mean, you just look at even the feed has like multiple different versions of it. So are there any placements that work particularly well under particular circumstances or are there any that you kind of completely ignore? What's your kind of uh, theory on that? Yeah, it's a, I totally agree that um, that's one of the challenges with Facebook and what they're doing and, and, and for, you know, whether you're a brand new advertiser or you're just getting started or even if you're, you know, been doing it a long time and you feel comfortable in the seat and, um, you know, you're running agency and you're seeing all these accounts and you're handling that. There's so, the problem is there's so many options and they sort of, you know, the fortunate part is that they operate like a startup, which is great because they come out with new stuff all the time that are helping both users on their platform as well as advertisers trying to reach those users. But at the same time, now you've got, you know, a thousand options to choose from. And so as an advertiser, it's difficult, um, as you say, they're sort of enticing you with this new audience or placement um, capability. And you're just like, ah, you know, we're always chasing the latest and greatest. But what I found is that when you're running cold, um, brand new stuff to a cold audience, that you should stay in the in the feeds. 
So um, I'm talking both about Facebook and Instagram. You want to stay both um, in the mobile and desktop feed and, um, and have it both in Facebook and on Instagram. Everything else, I just turned it off because um, not that it, it can't work. It's just that, again, most of your impressions and your opportunities and the sales that I've seen in most businesses will come through the news feed, whether it be on desktop or mobile in those two platforms. Hmm, very interesting. I'm going to call, call you back to something you said earlier, which was about sort of your formula, your way of writing your ad copy and creating images, which, which really convert. What's mm -hmm. your sort of system for doing that? Because you did allude to it. I'm going to drag that out of you if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just talk a little bit about the creative because, um, and I think this is a sticking point for most folks that uh, maybe have a marketing or analytical mind and can kind of build the campaigns and build the ad sets. But once they get to the ad, they sort of freeze up, you know, like, what do I do now? Mm. Um, or you've got the people that are, you know, uh, are more creative and know how to speak to a market but have difficulty, like you said, understanding where the placements they should choose, the audiences they should target, and all those types of things. So uh, it's definitely a, a science plus art in the, in the world of Facebook advertising. But I've really nailed it down to a formula based on success. So you know, I've fallen on my face so much over the last seven years and spent so much money on this platform trying to figure things out that um, I try and uh, you know, put together things that, so that people like, you guys don't have to do the same thing that I have in the past. So the formula is basically this. Let's talk about the creative first. I'm a big fan of, of videos these days because they, uh, they tend to get um, uh, lower cost engagement. Um, so ultimately your engagement is higher and your, your ad costs go down because of that increased engagement. And I like to, to use a larger, um, a taller uh, frame, right? So, Typically, you'll see most advertisers using a traditional 1200 by 628 ratio, which is that theatrical ratio. The challenge is that most of us subconsciously have uh, all agreed that that is a advertisement. And so the, the likelihood of continuing to scroll past it is much higher. So I, I found the sweet spot of you can use a full square like 1200 by 1200. But my sweet spot is, has been 1,200 by 1,000 and uh, in terms of a, a ratio, the size of the video. Um, what's great is that uh, if you're going to use images, uh, use the same ratio. And the beauty is that you can use images and just turn them into, you know, 15-second MP4 videos. And so now you have a video ad, even though it's simply an image playing as a video. So you can get that sort of um, algorithmic advantage that videos have uh, from a traditional image. So um, when it comes to the actual, like what's going on in the image or the video, generally you've got to, you know, your, your consumption's very short. So you're talking about, you know, five, maybe 10 seconds, you're gonna have anybody's attention. So 15 second videos um, up to a minute. So, you know, Instagram right now is a, is a minute, uh, 60 second cap. So nothing longer than a minute, but you have to realize that most of your impactful attention getting stuff has to be in that first, you know, five seconds really to grab them. And so for me, I like to use a lot of what I call metaphoric images or videos where you are using an emotion in a person um, to garner their attention so that they'll read the copy. Um, so, you know, I think if you look in your own feed, you'll see that the, the most shared and organically shared and commented and, 
and um, and liked videos have that sort of square feel. Um, they they tend to be they feel kind of native. Like, hey, my my friend could have shot this um, with some great software. Like that feel like this wasn't professionally done in a studio somewhere. Right. And so that's what I like to do on the creative front for images and videos. And then when it comes to copy, it's actually a very simple formula. I call out the audience that I'm trying to target and I ask them a question that they're going to say yes to, but that is also going to uh, remind them of the pain or frustration in their market. Okay. So let's take an example. So I would say, Facebook advertisers, are you tired of throwing your hard-earned cash out the window with, with Facebook ads? They're going to say yes. In their mind, it's reminding them of the pain that they have uh, when they do Facebook ads. Then I'm going to move into building desire. Um, I'm going to tell them I've got you know, 10 psychological triggers that will, get, will jumpstart your Facebook advertising success. Okay, So I build desire by telling them what I have for them. And then ultimately, I'm just clearly stating exactly what I want them to do, the call to action. It's click learn more now to get this free report. So it's very specific. It's call out the audience, ask a question they'll answer yes to, and also remind them of the pain and frustration in the market. I will tell them what I have to offer them and build desire with that and ultimately tell them exactly what to do. That's awesome. And a little bit off, off piece here for this one, but have you found a particular opt-in bribe and opt-in offer to be more successful than others? So you see things banded around the internet. Oh, the, the ebook is dead or the, the PDF is dead or the video course. What is the one? It's a good question. I mean, I think for every market it, um, it, it, it is different, but I think that generally what you're finding because of a behavioral trend is simply that uh, the attention spans are very short. So, um, what you want to do over time is whatever you might have used in the past, call it an ebook or some other uh, you know type of strategy. Even if you're doing webinars that were typically 60 to 90 minutes long, you want to start to find ways to tighten up the content so that it can be consumed a lot quicker. So you know the blueprint, the checklist, the the swipe file, the you know those types of reports they do extremely well because half the battle isn't necessarily getting them to opt in. The other half is actually you need them to consume that information. Otherwise, you're not really building the relationship that you're trying to build um, post opt-in, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, as, as we all know in the marketing world, there's most people will, you know, click and download, even purchase stuff that they paid way too much money for and never consume it, right? So how can you build a relationship and ultimately get someone to uh, be your customer over a long period of time without getting them to consume it? So, so that's the bigger challenge. And so when they see an ad with something that's like blueprint, checklist, you know, ad hack, swipe file, something they know inherently that's going to take them literally probably 10 minutes at most to fully consume it and get value from it, then they're excited about that. And it may be a video training too, but I think most people tend to like something that's tangible that, you know, they can download and, and, uh, and consume in their own time, whether they do it. Uh, at the time of opting in or sometime later, but short and sweet um, with high value is the key. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm just sitting here deleting my free opt-in of a 32-hour program. Uh, <laughs> free 32-hour training video reveals the best word to use in your headline. <laughs> cool, man. Uh, so 
what do you, obviously the Facebook ads thing is incredibly powerful. What do you think is the most powerful tool within their advertising platform, natively within their platform? And what does it do for us as marketers? That's a good question. I mean, I, I, um, I'd say that, you know, if you're somebody that is just getting started and trying to understand a market, trying to step into a market, um, you don't have any data, certainly, uh, there, there are ad insights, um, is a phenomenal tool audience insights so that you can get, you know, you can plug in some words that are meaningful to your business and really see what other brands are interesting to folks, sort of the cream that rises to the top in terms of other pages they might like. And you really, you know, cause a lot of times we're in our own bubble, right? We don't understand across a certain geographic area, what people are, uh, what other people are interested in that are also interested in our products. So I think that's a, a great tool set um, in within Facebook. The other thing that we talked about creative, the other thing I've had a lot of great success with, and they continue to improve upon uh, the tool set. It's been around for quite a while. I don't think enough people use it. Is there a slideshow creator? So let's say you've got a series of images um, and uh, you want to make a video. It's already pre-built in. You just put the images in there. Uh, Facebook will fade in and fade out. They've got music. They've got all kinds of great um, functionality like a video creation studio. So I know a lot of people have challenges with video simply because um, it's, yeah, it's it, the tech, isn't it? It's the tech. Yeah, it's the tech that gets in the way. And even like, how do I order this stuff? And mm. it looks it looks cheesy. You know, they, they're mm. sort of uh, judging themselves on the, on the creative. But the Facebook slideshow creator is phenomenal. So if you've got a series of images and it might be native images you've taken in your restaurant or, you know, in your, in your establishment, you want to share that. Um, I think that's a great way to uh, create video ads that's, already pre-built into Facebook that I know not not enough people are, are leveraging. Yeah, we should be digging into that more, all of us. All right, Justin, thank you for those. We're now going to head into what we lovingly call the quickfire round. Awesome. Let's do it. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. Justin, what would be a book you would recommend? I'd highly recommend The Four Agreements. So The Four Agreements by... Um, Don Ruiz or Miguel Ruiz, Miguel Ruiz, I think it is. And he's written a book, The Fifth Agreement. All are, all are really great. He's got a whole series of books. Um, but it's really about um, understanding ourselves and how to look at, at life and, um, and the four agreements. You know, I've done a lot of Tony Robbins stuff and a lot of things over the years, self-improvement. Mm-hmm. But I've found that the four agreements is the easiest thing to follow and it makes a lot of sense. And the other folks that I've recommended to really resonates with them. So I highly recommend that. Love it. Awesome. What is your top success habit, either daily or weekly? You know, it's changed over time, but I think that for me these days, it's, um, I do a lot more meditation, exercise and family time. So I think, you know, a lot of success is related to more work and more, um, you know, working smarter and working harder and just another hour and I'll get it done. It's really the other side of the spectrum. It's finding time for yourself to take care of yourself, um, to spend time with loved ones. And, um, those are, those are three that really are meaningful to me in my life these days. Yeah. And you know, you're a really successful person. A lot of people really admire your success and the things you've done, but who is it that you look up to? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's, there are a lot of people that I look up to that, um, generally aren't, uh, tied to, you know, the world of corporate success. Uh, there, there's plenty of people that we've all heard the names of, I just mentioned Tony Robbins and others, 
I mean, these guys are, are awesome. And I, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I, you think you, I think you've stumped me on the quick fire on who I really look up to. I, I really tend to look at everyone as, as providing value, whether it's, you know, you and, and I talking today or, um, to anyone. So I tend not to put anyone on a pedestal because I think we all have value to offer each other. And, right. and so, uh, I look at it that way. How do you define success? You know, I think it's different for everyone and, and, and at different stages of our lives, right? So, you know, many years I chased money, right? I felt like that was the society's way of saying that's success, but that wasn't really what in my heart I felt like was success. What I've found today is that um, success for me really is about how many people I can help. And so I've got to look at my businesses and say, what am I doing um, that is hindering my ability? What's the constraint? that's hindering my ability to help more people in this business. So the more value I can bring to a marketplace um, throughout the different businesses that I have uh, is, is really a, a marker for success for me. And money is just a, uh, an exchange of value that we use in society today to get that done. So. Mm, absolutely. So bearing in mind that Rob and I are both customers of yours in fact um who do you like more rob or kennedy <laughs> uh well i've known rob for a long time and maybe that's worked against him so i'm gonna go with kennedy <laughs> it usually fresh does. blood i can get to him <laughs> <laughs> and finally where can folks go to find out more about you you can check out uh justinlofton.com uh l-o-f-t-o-n.com or you're obviously you can check out syncsumo.com. Love it. And links to those things are all going to be in the show notes, which we'll uh, pop a link to in this very episode. Well, Justin, thank you so much. This has been a real whirlwind through some really, it's funny, we've spoken to a number of people about different elements of Facebook advertising. It's obviously, it's a hot topic right now. It's not going to be going away, but your insights are really useful and uh, very different to other people's as well. So it's good to see there's not just one way of doing this stuff. There's lots of strategies and you've got to just figure out the one that works for you, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Cool, man. Thank you so much. Take Thank care. You. Give me a J. Give me a U. Give me an S-T-I-N, Lofton. He's the man. Yes. What a really cool interview. I really enjoyed that. Uh, there was definitely some golden nuggets for me to take away from that in terms of like ad structure and all of the things that are important. Uh, they're all the questions that we all ask because everyone's got these opposing opinions about what you should do and different th theories and strategies. But I think Justin's got a really nice way of explaining why those things should be done that way. Why they should be done. So go, out, go check it out. If you haven't already checked out the show notes, you can go and do that. Where exactly, Robert? Go to blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero one three. There you go. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow us on the various social medias. You'll find us by searching for Response Suite. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.